Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, Life in the Saddle. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Howdy everybody. Glad you're able to join me today for this solo pod. I would like to talk a little bit about some horsemanship for the flighty horse. And remember, when I say horsemanship, that's a word that's sort of thrown around and used in a lot of different contexts and I guess can mean different things to different people. And, and uh, it's probably not in the dictionary, so when I say horsemanship, what I mean is a way of being around a horse that fits the horse. Notice I say a way of being, all right? Sometimes us humans, we like to do. There's, there's things that we like to do, and, and, and that's fine. That's part of it. But remember, horsemanship is a way of being, not just doing. It's not about the technique first, all right? Not about the technique or the approach first. It's being able to fit those things and adjust to fit the horse. Not in just what we're doing, but in how we are being. Understanding the why, when, and how behind the what that we're doing. You know, as a, as a young fella, I was about 16, 15, 16, I learned a valuable lesson from a flighty quarter horse filly, the first horse I ever started. You know, finding she was a little high strung and not knowing any better, I just kept things quiet and easy around her. I really took my time in the starting process. And of course, this is a good way to start with a horse that is more sensitive. But the danger lies in trying to make progress while maintaining that unrealistic approach. She eventually learned to accept the saddle, bridle, and a rider, but basically only at a certain level of life or pressure or energy around her, stuff you know going on. If something unexpected or out of her fairly small comfort zone occurred, she would come unglued and either take off or start bucking. So the end result was a horse that was quiet as long as everything else was. But that's not real life. By doing this, we may be trying to be kind, but we're actually setting them up for failure. Without us digging deeper and helping to build, build confidence, more confidence, and, and expand their comfort zone, the flighty horse will be just that, perhaps for the rest of his life. At the very least, it will take a considerable amount of time and be quite dangerous to try to get him better slowly by trial and error or by trying to avoid any circumstances that would challenge him. We basically paint ourselves into a corner and really restrict what we're able to do. And in reality, the horse, you know, is potentially just as dangerous. 
This will most often result in situations that are out of our control that tend to confirm his fear and then thus the lack of confidence in us as leaders. And so it's this catch-22. It just goes around and around and you can really get yourself trapped in a pretty small comfort zone and not doing all the things maybe that you would like to or even that the horse is capable of if he had a little confidence. You see, if you back off when you've asked him to try something and he becomes reactive, you've rewarded the wrong behavior. You may need to adjust the way you're asking or the amount of life or pressure that you're, you're using, but it's always best to try to get a try from him towards what you were asking, even the smallest try, so that you can reward the correct thing. Correct is from our point of view, of course, and release or comfort, right, makes it right in the horse's mind or, or from the perspective of the horse. And the smallest thing might be literally that he would be willing to think about what it is you're asking him to do. Is he willing to look at the scary object? Is he willing to assess his situation instead of just leaving? Those are tries. You know, when he's scared or nervous about something and, and he's willing to be with you and, and, and have a look or, or assess his situation, that is a, that's a good try. That's a good start. You don't just keep the pressure on just trying. Because then what, what happens when we just keep the pressure on, we're, we're basically trying to make something happen in the physical that the horse is not really okay with in the mental and emotional. He's basically, you know, and he may do that thing. He may fly over that, you know, obstacle or jump the creek or, or whatever it is, but he hasn't thought his way through it. You're only just getting it done on the, in the physical, and that usually doesn't mean that it's improved from the horse's perspective, and, and it's not going to be any better next time. When the reaction stems from an outside source, it is important for you as his leader to not also become reactive. Sometimes it's easy to get jumpy or nervous and we get tight, you know, when our horse is, but whether the cause is another rider or a foreign object or inclement weather or whatever it is, we tend to sometimes get tight as well. We get nervous. But a high-strung horse, they all need a confident rider, but especially a high-strung horse needs a confident rider who's, who's firm but also fair and consistent. All too often, the rider gets tense and is in survival mode as much as the horse. Or if not, the other tendency is just to pull back on both reins, effectively saying don't to a horse that probably feels like it needs to be moving its feet. In order for a horse to gain confidence in new situations, it is very helpful if the rider has that a soft feel and precise timing in the, in the hands, seat, and legs in order to give positive direction and thus bring the mind of the horse back to response. In other words, by giving direction, by attempting communication, by trying to get the conversation going again, you're trying to bring the mind of the horse back to you out of that state of reaction. So I believe it's a mistake to not teach horses to calmly and safely handle a variety of situations with differ differing levels of pressure or urgency or intensity at times even. If we tiptoe around them all the time because their comfort zones are so small and never ride like we might have to get there quick or try something in spite of distraction or uncertainty, then we're probably setting them up 
for a false reality. Consequently, when something unexpected to them, or maybe you as well, happens, there is a real potential for a dangerous situation because the horse has never been shown how to handle things outside his comfort zone, trust you, or come back to response in spite of his fear. I've got another podcast called Reaction Versus Response. I also have one called The Three R's. I think it's the third episode talking about reaction, response, and resistance. Check those things out uh, where we talk a little bit more, kind of define these things a little bit better. And and again, coming from the perspective of the horse, what is it that's actually going on inside his skin when we're dealing with these sorts of things? Response in spite of trouble. I've got a number of videos addressing this same thing in my online video library as well, truewesthorsemanship.com. These are real life issues. Doesn't matter what breed, of horse you ride, you know, what discipline, what your pursuits or, or passions are. If we're working with horses, it's important that we understand these principles. It's not just technique, it's principle. And so I do encourage you to go check that out. My video library starts with a free trial. If you haven't checked it out before, we're, we're consistently adding new content to that. So there's a lot of value there, unique videos, wide range of subjects. When digging a little deeper to address this idea of reaction versus response, the flighty horse needs clear communication and well-timed release to help build confidence. Otherwise, it is very easy to just be constantly confirming his fear of everything. Too much pressure and or poor timing of your release can make a nervous horse into a jumpy, tight-wound, ticking time bomb. So there are are two sides to this coin. The flighty horse, like my filly when I was a kid, that has never been shown how to be responsive in spite of trouble, and in the process developing a bigger comfort zone, or the sensitive horse that has been overexposed, pressured too much without meaning or finding release through doing the right thing, and 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 he's also gotten reactive through what he's doing because he when he does do the right thing it's the wrong way it's a, the reactive way they can do the right thing the wrong way if they're doing it reactively and then we don't recognize it many times the horse may do what we're looking for but from that reactive frame of mind and you can see that it's you know evidenced by explosive movement braciness in the pole or spine survival mode indicators you know twitchy eyes or twitchy ears wide eyes, flared nostril, tight mouth, muzzle, jaw, high head, those sorts of things. You can see reaction, even though he might be doing the right thing. We have often asked with too much pressure or for too much of a particular thing at once. But then when we accept this type of answer, the horse appears to make progress on the outside because he's doing the thing. But he's lacking that mental and emotional understanding that actually makes up response through okayness. (laughs) <laughs> okayness on the inside. With a nervous horse, it's important to build confidence every time you work with him. Work with him regularly, especially when he's young. When a horse gets scared, it's crucial to help him find his way out of reaction and back to response to you. This requires us to increase our skills, our feel and timing, so we have a clear idea of what to ask them to do the moment they react. We need to have a plan. 
we need to have a strategy. I talk about it quite a bit, and it's in my videos. It's in previous podcasts. The the one rain stop is is part of that. It's a piece of that, but it's way overused and way overdone. Uh, it's oversimplified. I feel like it's preached a lot to to riders, you know, and within the natural horsemanship movement, I guess you could say, but it's 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 too much of a good thing. And I've got some articles I've already written on that. I'm going to I'm going to put those onto the podcast as well. Too much of a good thing. We need to have more strategies. We need to have a better idea and and the way I boil it down, again, just to simplify it is one rain, yes, get the bend back, get the brain back. One rain, where's the brain? Because in that moment that horse needs you to help him think and help him feel better and just shutting down movement often doesn't do that essentially in a nutshell we need to be able to work with their movement and get the brain back with us and when this is done quietly consistently in spite of these tense situations it starts to build confidence in any horse so that's a little bit about what what we need to think about all too often you know when that horse gets scared Instead of helping him find his way back to response to us, we're just trying to shut it down, or if he stops being scared, we think it's over and done with, and and it kind of is. But in that state of reaction, we need to practice actually trying to communicate to him there and bring him back to response, be part of the process of bringing them back to response and back to having a conversation with us. If he gives a big spook and shy and you don't do anything except just try to stay with him and then he just sort of stops on his own, that's great, right? At least he's not running off with you. But that's not the same thing as him coming back to you out of that state of reaction. And if you've just done nothing there, you left him leaderless in that moment or two or three seconds, whatever it was, you left him to his own devices. And it just so happens he's come back to you because he realized it wasn't such a big deal or or whatever. Again, fantastic that he's not bolting off to Texas with you, but let's be honest, what if he was? And you haven't practiced, you haven't shown him how to come back to you out of a state of reaction, back to response, back to your conversation. Come a day, you know, he might have to just keep leaving. He might have to just keep doing whatever he feels he needs to in that reactive state of mind. And you don't have a strategy. You've not practiced your plan. He's not comfortable coming back to you because he's never been asked to or, or you haven't practiced it. And that's a conditioned thing. I talk about this quite a lot too. Like reaction is natural. It's instinctive. They don't have to practice that. <laughs> They've been practicing it their whole life and, and for hundreds of years. But to be responsive in trouble is a conditioned thing. It's a conditioned response. And so we actually have to have done it repetitively in real-life situations, whether those real-life situations are simulated by us. It's real in the horse's mind. He is in reaction, and we've brought him back to response. We've shown him, basically, that survival can be had in another way than just reaction, that he can survive, that he can trust us to take care of him, and he's going to live. And it's not going to hurt, right? When he's scared, he's bothered, he's troubled, and we help him out of that. That's got to be conditioned in there. That's not just something that's just suddenly going to happen when we're faced up with a real-life situation and, and we've not actually addressed this prior to that. 
So a little bit for you to think about, about building confidence in the flighty horse. Again, listen to those other podcasts if you haven't yet. Check out my online video library if you haven't yet. Uh, TrueWestHorsemanship.com. And hey, keep a leg on each side and your mind in the middle. We'll catch you down the road. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.